Hey everybody, um, welcome to this week's episode of the Life Alchemy podcast and um, today we are going to be talking about the theme of identity. So identity is something that means something very different to, to everybody and this is the thing that I'm so interested in. Um, so <clears throat> the reason um, in particular we talk about this today is because um, something I would say I'm someone who's gone through multiple identity crises in my life so as a child um uh, growing up as mixed race um so I'm half English half Chinese but my Chinese father was was absent so I didn't grow up with that strong kind of like role figure and I always felt like I didn't fit in so that's one thing um and then uh growing up in the corporate world I had lots of you know, I ended up working in environments with people who were came from the top universities like Oxford, Cambridge, very like Etonites. And I am from a working class family. So I always felt like I did not fit in. I just think, how the hell did I get here? Um, even this, but I appreciate the wonderful, amazing experience that it gave me. Um, and then um, going through breast cancer at the age of 32 and being bald and boobless um, in for like uh, in my early 30s, um, which has led on to um, sort of problems with fertility so um and then leaving the corporate world and unlearning you know what it's like to be a corporate person and starting up your own business there were lots of things in my life where I kind of really struggled with my identity and what I've realized is I'm feeling like a failure like oh I'm a failure as a as a British person because I'm not really white um or <clears throat> not clever enough um, or from the right social status to be in a certain environment or um, as a young woman you know feeling with a body confidence you know feeling like oh god if, if I don't have boobs and I don't have hair I'm like so unattractive like who's going to want to come anywhere near me um, and and then you know with the fertility as a woman you know god what kind of woman am I if I can't even have children um, so those of identity crises and what I've learned is that your identity can be whatever it is that you want it to be. So since going through my own work and do, you know, exploring my inner self and celebrating those parts of who, what makes me who I am, my spiritual side, you know, that wonderful richness of being sort of multi uh, biracial. Um, I have actually really come into my own and I choose those parts of me and I, I'm so... I hate the use of labels um, and I just think, you know, we are who we are and we don't need to put each other in boxes. So with that experience, I'd love to hear from, you know, from you guys, Rolls, Chris and Hema, with identity, like how do you see yourself and what kind of journey have you been on? Well, I'm not going to speak for long. I'll let the others talk, but I think I'm, I'm, and I will answer that question as me in a minute when I've heard from or when we've all heard from everybody else. But um, the whole time you were saying that, wearing my therapist hat, I was like, labels, labels, yeah. you know, labels, boxes, labels, boxes. And that was what was you know, going through my mind. And I even do an exercise with people under hypnosis where I get them to work out what labels are attached to them. You know, like in a shop where you go in and you get the little gun 
and then you shoot the the tag on to the the garment Mm -hmm. and I have them look up and down themselves and see all these labels that through really no fault of their own through societal expectations through their parents through their schooling, through where they grew up, their culture, their religion, whatever, you know, they had that label attached to them. And and it felt very uncomfortable or it didn't sit well. And when it didn't sit well, there was a mismatch. And usually for good measure, we then go, oh, I must be a failure, you know, because I'm, I'm not living up to that label until you get liberated enough where you're talking about being Sarah, which is, I'm not having those labels. I'm taking a pair of scissors out and cutting those off, decaido to cut off. And again, I do this as a hypnotic process. It's very liberating. And then I get to attach new labels. And so I, I will come back on a personal level, but I just thought she's nailed it immediately because, you know, I think this, I, I can't imagine there's anybody not listening who could relate to that. I don't know how the others think. Yeah, I can, I can, um, add to that so I think I think identity uh it's quite a complex thing um and I think like I can talk from person from my personal experience I think I never really felt like I fit in anywhere you know like I always felt like I was pretending um my so my family are from originally from Mauritius but they my mum came here when she was 19 so she spent most of her life here but it's just simple things you know like even if um just um language you know I was born in this country I went to a good school but I still say things that I think are not pronounced in the right way there's so many little things nuances of how I um see the world which I think is just really unique and um what can I say I feel like uh we spend a lot of our time trying to fit in, you know, whether it's like in the corporate world, is it as a woman or whatever else it is. And it's only when you start to realise that actually I don't fit in any of these boxes and I'm quite comfortable not fitting in them. I've got my own shape mm. and it's not a lot. Do you start to feel a little bit better? Um, yeah, I've got, um, yeah. I've, and it's also interesting, you know, I think there are two things. There are things about what, like those labels, what we expect of ourselves and what kind of these weird things we put on ourselves to think that we must mm. be. But then there's also what society puts on you or the people around you put on you. And so therefore I think identity becomes really complicated. Um, I have a really good story about not fitting in. I'll share it later. Remind me. <laughs> um I think, we can really all, I think we'll all do those. We'll probably have to have a rate of one to ten, but I'm sure yours will be about ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I, think I, I heard um, I was watching a TED talk by a lady called Nilifer Merchant. I don't know if anybody's come across her, but she talks about the term onlyness. Um, and it really struck a chord with me because it, you know, it really resonated. The thing that I think is really important is that, you know, like only you can stand in your shoes and see the world through your yeah. lens. Like you have that perspective that nobody else has. And actually that's a real strength. And I think when, if you can embrace that, um, all these labels and the rest of it doesn't matter. We're much more rich than that. Mm. So um, the label thing yeah, really stuck out too for me. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I think identity, you're right. Whenever anything gets really complex, you know me, I'm the guy who keeps things simple. That's what I talk about all the time. And that's what I genuinely believe our souls want. I believe our souls want that simple journey, that next step. What's the next step? And when we complicate things, this is where we get really frustrated. We get angry and we don't communicate what we truly feel. 
And honestly, human beings are obsessed with categories. We're obsessed with it. And I personally also believe that from the moment the human race started a subcategorized race, we were always going to head for a clash. We were always going to head for differences being the thing that kind of can bring us together and separate us. When it all boils down to it, we're all part of the human race. It's one race, but we are obsessed with placing each other into boxes to feel mm. some sort of unity. And it's really interesting you say that, Hammer, that onlyness. You know, I've heard that TED Talk actually at first when you said the name, I didn't recognise it. But I've listened to that and it really brought something up for me that often the deeper rooted thing that hides behind us making categories is that we don't feel good enough stood alone. We don't feel worthy enough being ourselves. We feel incomplete and it's the biggest lie we tell ourselves. I think just on that, the lie that we tell ourselves, I was listening to um, a book yesterday it's my first Audible book. I'm very excited about it. I mean, I don't know why I didn't jump on this bandwagon sooner. Um, I'd be really, really well-read by now otherwise. Um, and there was something, and they said that like a, when a child is born into the world, they are born with an innate sense of wholeness. They don't mm. come into, you know, come out of the womb like onto the, yeah. into the world saying, oh, I don't think I'm quite good enough, do they? Mm. Like as a child, everything is... Uh, you know, everything is perfect almost, and that's your sense. Of, and it's only through life experiences do you start to adopt these beliefs or you, you, yeah, adopt these right. beliefs or learn, you know, these experiences affect your shape and how you view stuff. So, um, yeah, that whole- 100%. I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> a baby comes from the best hotel ever. <laughs> you know, a baby comes from this hotel where you get room service 24-7. It's always at the right temperature. <laughs> You know, all your needs are met. You are yeah. protected. You are intimately connected. Mm. So, you know, without turning this into a podcast about your human needs, take take my word for it as a therapist, all your human needs are met. And so you're born and you just have this exactly, this innate sense of <laughs> my needs will be met and everything is available to me. Therefore, you know, I am, I am one. I am, you know, I, I don't know about the word perfect, but, I, you know, everything's good and then it's only through experience you know like the the kind of kick the puppy syndrome puppies are really lovely but if you kick it enough it'll hide behind the fridge you know it's only when life starts to go oh no you must do it that way or don't do that or be punished because you you didn't eat correctly or whatever else that 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 sense of oneness is eroded and you start Mm. questioning it and then for good measure I think what we're all saying, you enter into a culture or a society or, you know, whatever, where, and, you know, obviously I grew up a little bit before you guys. Um, and so, you know, I, I, and I, I was a maverick, you know, because I went to a comprehensive school. I grew up in Nottingham. I was a grocer's daughter. My grandparents were grocers and miners, went and mill workers up in Yorkshire. I was the first person ever in the history of my family to go to university and London, London. And, you know, people didn't really get it. Um, but I just had this draw for it going, yeah. But then when I got there and went into work, particularly because I fell into PR, 
I mean, you know, the stories I've got about working in PR, funnily enough, we've been having reunions because I was at Lynn Frank's and I realised even there I was an outlier. I was in what was called the serious department. So it was like, don't let her near John Galliano or like you know, anybody like famous fashion designer, not not that, that stumpy little girl from Nottingham. No, she's got quite a brain. So give her the other stuff, you know. So, um, you know, but I remember one weekend, one of the girls going, oh, isn't it fun when we get paid because I've got pocket money for the weekend and I went I live on mine for a month <laughs> you know my my salary pays my rent and she just went oh how novel <laughs> like you know so I'm sort of with these trust fund babies who'd all gone to like really posh schools down south and and, and the right university yeah. um so I was like you know you were saying uh Sarah I was like oh and so at that point it would have been easy to kind of feel really super inadequate but within me there's a sort of a rebel <laughs> there's a kind of a I'll show you <laughs> you know that's what, that's what comes out at that time <laughs> I think it's great though we live in an era now where that's being challenged it's yeah. being challenged left right and center and I think we're seeing a new wave of of acceptance and understanding of what actually success looks like and feels like do you know when you were talking there and, and Ross you said it earlier on about failure I think when people use the word failure, they attach it to their identity. And yeah. I was talking to a little girl the other day. She's called Charlie. She's only 10. And she was talking about something that she'd failed at. And as she was talking, I realized she was talking about herself in the failing moment. And at that point, I just stopped her and I said, it's failed. You haven't. And she said, well, what's the difference? I said, because you were after an outcome that didn't come your way. But actually, you've walked away learning more about yourself. That's not a failure. And I think there's a big difference when we split, when we go after something, we attach ourselves, we we attach our identity to, oh, my God, I've just messed up. And, oh, my God, I've just messed up in front of all these people. And all these people are keeping count on my failures. And at that point, that's the point we've got to step across and go, it's failed. It's okay. Because if we attach ourselves to the failure, no wonder we feel like pretty bad self-worth because we attach it it's just not right that's huge and I I know you've got something to say about that Hammer but that is huge Chris because what you're saying is on one side a lot of us didn't feel we fit in because we were different yeah but we own the bad stuff yeah you know and Mm. and when you hear people again as a therapist people will come and talk to me about my depression uh my depression oh it's yours is it yeah okay good um you know and my cancer Sarah and I have both yeah. had both had cancer I never talked about my cancer mm. I in fact I I didn't even talk about the cancer I called it Jeremy because I hated Jeremy <laughs> at school he was the one person I really didn't like at school and when I you know discovered I had the lump I would look down you know in the weeks before the operation and I would just go f off Jeremy you can just f off out my body you know you're not going to be here you're not going to be here for very long so you know don't if you own something it gives it power yeah yes and I I think oh oh, sorry just following that um what you said about that Rose about the cancer in particular is that owning it and that detachment from it it's so interesting is it because exactly the same as you I, I was never like oh I, my approach was like just really positive and I I was like you know just get rid 
And um, but then even now, even now, sort of nearly 10 years later, you know, people were still curious about it and they'll associate oh, yeah. that with me. And they were like, so tell me, so how is everything oh, on that front? Like, yeah, me too. You know, and I'm like, so I, it happened recently and I just said, wow, that was almost 10 years ago now. I've like moved on from that. Um, It'd be like going yeah. to the kid going, how is it? with the braces off your teeth it'd be like it, exactly the same you know, yeah. I'm 35 now that was when yeah. I was 18 exactly and, and also the you language say, you know oh ooh, battling yeah. cancer and again I hate I'm, that I'm surviving sorry, I won't mention the c word that's going on at the moment because we'll probably get banned or something but you, the language that the media use you know mm. battle and and, yeah. and again it just empowers it it does it, yeah it, it does it gives a bad thing power yeah. I think, sorry I was just gonna say I, just, I think you made me think about it um Chris but also what you both have been saying it's about switching the language I mean mm-hmm. you were able in the moment to be really observant with um your daughter mm-hmm. was it your daughter yes yeah and um you know most of us were not that observant are we not only of the language that we use ourselves or even in that inner monologue or with other people we're not that observant to be yeah. able to spot it and I think that's a really powerful thing to do and mm. I heard it um in this book that I'm reading it was by Oprah but they talk about changing the question and saying rather than saying um what's wrong with you you ask what happened to you yeah and yes. suddenly you yes. shift the focus you know it's all about that power where do you attribute that power it's not do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's yeah. a great question. That's brilliant. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. And I think what we're alluding to here is the power in the story and the story runs strong. We've got now and again, I just step off my story and I ask myself, is it, is it truthful what I'm telling myself? There's a fantastic Kings of Leon song called comeback story. And it's got a brilliant line in the chorus. Yeah. And he says, I've walked a mile in your shoes and now I'm a mile away and I've got your shoes. <laughs> and it really makes me think about stepping outside of my own story. But also mm. we don't know what other people are going through until we step across to the other side and mm. see it through their lens. And this is a really important part of that understanding and, and learning and listening to understand each other, not just listening to respond I think that's the difference in coaching. That's the difference when you're mentoring. That's the difference when you stay present. You're listening to really grasp what it's like to walk in their shoes because they might yeah. be miles away from where you are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So um, so thinking about sort of how the journey that we've been on and how people see us now, um, how would, what comes up for you, for you guys I'm sort of still thinking about this myself, actually, sort of like, you know, what do people see in us now? You mean in terms of how they see our identity? Yeah. And respond to it? Mm. Well, like, look, the Olympics is on. Chris, I'd love to start with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you know, obviously I get, I feel really lucky in the sense that I'm part of this exclusive club of Olympians and stuff like that, but I don't really feel any different to how I've always felt. I don't feel any different. And often that title comes with people judging you, oh, you must be great at this because you do this. You know, I had it on a podcast yesterday that I was on. Someone said, oh, you're clearly fantastic at this mindset stuff. And I went, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. 
every day I work on this. <laughs> this is not like I woke up and was touched by the Olympic fairy on the head. <laughs> like I work hard at this. So when you hear me kind of wax lyrical about something, it's because I put it in place every day and I fight the stuff it's not. I kind of, I'm opposed to that stuff. So, so yeah, it's, it is at the moment, you know, I'm watching the Olympics go by and I'm really enjoying it. But I do worry about a lot of those Olympians that go on that journey of coming out the sport and losing themselves. A lot of them do lose themselves. Um, and that's because I think they get really married to a title, if I'm perfectly honest with you. Oh, titles, yeah. Um, just sort of going off the one. I remember I worked with this guy and he kept changing his title, asking for his job title to change, but he was doing exactly the same role. So he was like, oh, can I be called this now? Um, you know, to his boss. His boss was like, I don't really care what you call yourself, like, as long as you do the job. But it was so interesting, like, fascinate me how like, he changed his job title two or three times in the space of two years. Really elaborate things. Probably no one would actually even understand what the hell <laughs> they did and it's interesting that attachment to that title and how important it made him feel but it didn't have any effect on anyone else if, yeah. if anything it was like more confusing I'm like oh I don't really know what you do but yeah. this attachment to titles is or how, yeah a big or the perception they have of you I, I often mm. think yeah. um you know if I had doctor in front of my name because I'd pushed myself to do a PhD, um, there's this automatic kudos about it. Oh, you must know what you're talking about. And that's no disrespect to doctors. I've got several in my family and they're, they're very, very, very clever. Um, but they were very, very clever at staying at university and studying a bunch of things, you know, and I'm not saying they're not good at what they do now, but um, we do automatically assume some sort of added fairy dust on that one as well so I, I don't know Sarah do you find that if you're successful outwardly looking people maybe respond differently to you in your life yeah it's interesting because we sort of sort of talked about this a little bit before just just through a general chat but didn't we but um yeah it's interesting how people respond to you um based on how they perceive you are doing at a certain time and it's funny because um sometimes when it might seem like you know everything's you're on an upward streak and then you start to hear from people that you haven't spoken to in like forever and yeah. then you know and then all of a sudden they're interested in what you're doing but yeah you don't hear from them at all otherwise yeah that's how also as well sorry also as well like sometimes there are some people who really love it when you're really down. Oh, and then when you go the other way, they're like, they just, they're like, oh, who, I don't know. They, they start to let their own assumptions or they start to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't, like, who are you? But yeah. you're just the same person. Um, so how has that affected any of you guys? Like how people have perceived you at a certain time? Um Massively, massively. Do you know, I've got a really good story. Um, I went to about 10 years ago, um, I'd retired from swimming and I started doing public speaking and started off in schools and I went to the school down in Wales and I drove there from Newcastle on the morning for an assembly at half past eight. So I got in the <laughs> car. Like getting up early, I love it, right? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, got in the car, drove all the way down, got there really, really early because I prefer to be early than late or just on time. 
And got to the school and the PE teacher who was organising it had said to us in a text, if you get there at about quarter past half past seven, I'll get you some breakfast. So just come in. And you know what? Since you're driving down, come in, get a shower, get, get into your kit later on. And then when the kids arrive, you can go and do your talk. So I got there really early and sure enough, had some breakfast, had a shower, got, got changed. And I was just in kind of like slacks because I wasn't getting ready to get ready on stage just yet because I still had a bit of time. So I decided when I went into the hall to put out all the chairs, put everything out. And I was just mucking in. Anyway, the head teacher came in and he went, you, can you make sure that all these chairs are out? We've got a really special guest turning up. And he went off it. And then he left and he slammed the doors and I was like, flip the neck, I best get to it. <laughs> They've got a special <laughs> guest turning up. So I put all these chairs out and everything all laid out. And the next time I saw that head teacher was when I walked out on stage introduced in the Olympic oh, no. tracksuit. And at the end, at the end, he said to us, he went, um, I am so embarrassed. He said, I thought you were... Uh, um, help. I thought you were the higher up to come in to, hire, <laughs> to help out. And I said, would it make a difference if I was? Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like yeah. when I was dating in my 50s, I went on one particularly car crashy date with a dentist who not only told me about the affairs he'd had while he'd been married. It was like, oh, yeah, keep her. Um, but then he was really rude to the writers. And, oh, and, yeah. and, and I was like, you're showing who you are by turning yeah. up in this way. And if you think I'm spending time with you, you are very much mistaken. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry. So I was just going to say I had a really, um, it was like the opposite scenario to Chris's sort of. So I was once, again, it's a story, a deep story for another time. But once I was arrested, don't worry, I wasn't charged with anything. <laughs> And I just didn't understand the concept of, you know, I, I know nothing about, like, the criminal world. I just watch, like, TV, you know, SI, you know, what is that called, this for you, whatever. Anyway, this is, I'm going off on one. Anyway, and I was arrested and the guys were like, <laughs> the guys, sorry, the policemen were like, you need to get into the car. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I went to get into the front seat. They said, no, not the front seat, the back. Prisoners oh go God. in the back. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner. What do I do? Got in the back seat. And then, obviously, I thought, I thought I could bring my mum. I bring my mum and dad every night. Um, I was at university at the time. I've got to call them. They'll worry. And I asked them, can I call my mum, please? And they were like, uh, okay. Called my mum. That's fine. Anyway, they put me in a cell. They took up my stuff, put me in a cell. They left me there for about, I don't know, about five hours. It was about 11 or 12 at night until I had my interview with the actual recorder thing. It was brilliant. Anyway, when I finished, they were like, right, miss, you can, you can go. And I'm like, okay, brilliant. So I went outside and I, I was always dressed quite, I was always like quite well, well dressed. You know, I was never super relaxed. It just wasn't my style. So put my handbag on, my shoes. Got to the. I didn't take my shoes off in the cell. I just had my shoes on. Just wanted to clarify. It wasn't. Didn't get weird. Anyway, so I got to the front of the the where the guard was, and I stood there for about um, half an hour, waiting very politely for my turn to get my stuff out of the the thing that they've taken all my you know my purse and stuff away. And after about half an hour, they were like, "Oh, we thought you weren't the prisoner. We thought you were the lawyer." And, <laughs> and yeah. it was so interesting because. I think it can happen both ways, can't it? There's yeah. times when you assumes that, 
I don't know. You're not doing what you're doing. You're, and then there's other times people have got this inflated view of what you are and what you like and everything that comes with it, all on a judgment mm. that they've made on whether um, and how you look. Easy. And how yeah. you look. Thank yeah. God I looked more like a lawyer than a criminal in that moment, but I was mm. the criminal. But um, Only temporarily, though. Only temporarily, <laughs> temporarily. They got it. It was a big mistake and I was fine. They're very kind to me. Um, I, but, I, I think that thing of image is really important mm. because, again... And, you know, not saying it's not true today, but when I came up through agency life in the 80s and particularly the 90s, there were all these hacks. We've talked about them before, you know, sit in a certain place in the room, like you with your lovely story, Hemmer, about your handbag and your legs stood, stood in your power <laughs> pose, you know, because you're in a room full of blokes. Um, and one of the other ones that they used to drum into us, particularly women, uh, was, you know, dress for success and dress to the level that you want to go to. Um, and so there was a lot of that. But obviously I was in PR, so you could kind of mix and match it a bit. So I'd wear like a Gucci jacket and a pair of leather trousers and then really, really nice heels. So it's that kind of look. But of course, that's why you end up with a mismatch between who you are inside because, mm. you know, it's the, it's the classic imposter syndrome or Sasha Fierce versus Beyonce. Then actually you're, you're on stage and you're being Sasha Fierce and inside you're going, but I'm Beyonce and I'm like really quiet and I'm really shy. And that, and when you're living a life a lot of the time where, you know, your outer image, you know, yeah. isn't really who you are, you know, imposter syndrome and all of that turns up. And I just think it's a shame that, mm. you know, I get it, Chris, you know, it would not work if you were an Olympian swimmer and you turned up, you know, wearing, I don't know, a fairy outfit. But, you know, I mean, you know, clearly <laughs> trunks are suitable for that, uh, yeah. you know, and, and certain certain times, you know, yeah. perhaps if you, you sign up for the army, you know, you are <laughs> going to wear a lot of green. Um, but, but the rest of us, I think, particularly yeah. in corporate life. Well, I was, I was just thinking... Um, that was sort of wrapping up in a little in a little bit now, but just to sort of round that up is around exactly what you I loved what you said, Roz. And I think the whole thing around identity is having a really strong sense of who you are, knowing mm. who you are inside and feeling confident and courageous enough to just express that outwardly as well. Um, you know, forgetting about worrying how other people are going to perceive you or whether you fit in, but just being who you really are inside. And displaying that outwardly and I think when you do that when you are congruent then that energy it doesn't really matter what you look like outside but the energy and that confidence that you exude is so contagious and that's what people are gonna you know it's not if someone yeah. walks in and they look amazing fantastic or whatever but they might just be so unhappy that everyone's like oh well, you know what's up with them um don't they've got some weird vibes going on but if someone walks in and they look not how you would expect in a certain environment, but yet they are really confident. They're really, you know, energetic and they just are who they are. You know, what you see is what you get. And I think it's that, and I guess it's that, isn't it? That's the the goal in a way is to find that and kind of get to that part of you, sort of that, the true you. And there's a lot of stuff that I love working with the clients on because once they get to that point, they just mm. kind of just excel and they're just mm. like, yeah. And all of those stories and everything fall, fall away. Um, so just um, as we're sort of coming to the end, um, 
very quickly, has anyone got anything that they would like to share for who to follow? Oh. Um, oh. I've not got who to follow, but I've definitely got a bit of advice that I was given years ago. And that was, you know, when you start to experience success, then you'll start to see people come out of the woodwork from all different angles. People just want to hang on to it. And the two things I, would, I was advised to do was never let anyone steal your power and never mm. let it be borrowed. Don't loan it out. You know, it's yours. You've got to keep it. You've got to own it. Mm. And, you know, it's less about how you look to other people and more about how life feels to you. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I... Uh... I've been up, I've been down, I've been up, I've been down, I've been both, I've been broke, I've been a millionaire, I've been the whole thing. And it's about, A, the alignment between you, your true self and and, and any image you're projecting uh, and how you feel. And sometimes you do have to put a mask on just to push on through for a moment or wear the uniform because it's appropriate, but don't become the uniform, don't become the label, don't own anything that isn't really you. And people show you who they are, how they turn up. And, and when you're really successful or when you're really down, you really do find out who your friends are. So um, that would be my takeaway. Um, and the thing I would like to add is I think um, <clears throat> we talk, uh, us four certainly talk a lot about being authentic and finding your true self and that, uh, making sure there is that alignment. And I think it's also worth sharing that, that's almost like it's not it's a it's a bit of a journey isn't it like actually to to feel completely aligned and there are times when you'll you'll go off on a tangent something doesn't feel right and then you find yourself again and so I all I want to share is actually it's not always it's an easy thing to do and you should be able to do it quite simply I think it's this thing that's it's a I don't like the word journey but it's a constantly evolving as you as humans we grow don't we we grow and we evolve and there are times we might lose ourselves a little bit and there are times where we seek externally for a bit of inspiration and that's all okay as long as you go back to yourself to figure out does it feel right to you and that's probably the biggest question um I think it's worth asking Mm. yeah I love that um I think I haven't really got anything else to add from what you guys have said I think you know you've covered all of it the the one thing that sort of phrase that is sticking out for me is you know um you are what you think you are and if what you think you are doesn't feel right and it feels icky or off um explore that you know um and spend some time with that um so I hope that this episode has kind of given you guys you listen you know our listeners something to kind of a bit of food for thought maybe some little nuggets to take away if there's anything um that you've that we've kind of covered here that you would love for us to kind of explore a bit further please do let us know um so from me sarah clan it's a goodbye from me chris it's a goodbye from me Rosalind, it's a goodbye tune in again for another episode of life alchemy i'd like to tell you what the next topic is but it's escaped me but it'll be fascinating (laughs) 